0: I know you since you were a 20 I was 20 and thought that so many years from now
1: Good tournament so far, hasn't it? We we talked last time about about how good the first week of matches had been, and and I think it's continued in the same vein. Yeah, and you said look forward to the knockout stages, and boy, am I looking
0: forward to the knockout stages! It's been an extraordinary week of drama and fine quality football and amazing goals, and also England played.
1: That's right, yeah. Um, I guess we'll, we'll do a similar format to last week, shall we? Should we talk through each of the groups now? They're all all decided, and and people have gone home, and some people are through, and we're recording on this on Thursday night, so we won't be talking about the upcoming Portugal and Czech Republic game, it will have happened by the time you listen to this, um, but shall we get to England later and we can discuss the wonderful free-flowing football and tiki-taka style and the, the class and the technical abilities of the English players.
0: Yeah, absolutely, we'll we get on to that. Group A's been, uh, it was really interesting in the end, an absolute I mean, talk about drama, that that, that was probably the dramatic high point of the week, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, th- those last two games, the Czech republic Post and Greece Russia games were, were pretty stunning I mean I'm not sure they were very good quality games uh, more nerves than free flowing football and lots of goals or anything like that but uh, some pretty surprising results and I think last week I think I think we both picked Poland and Russia to go through and got that completely wrong.
0: Yeah um, us and the entire football community apart from Jonathan Wilson of course who predicted the Czech Republic to get through that group and, and they won the group with negative goal difference not not something that happens very often but we, we covered both those games in a, in a live blog, I watched the Poland game and you watched the Russia Greece game. The Poland-Czech Republic game is extremely odd. Poland were really good in the first half. They, they looked the better side and when Greece scored it meant that the Polish game had to open up basically. Their, their goals became vital because uh, a nil-nil draw wasn't good for either of them I seem to remember. But it, it seemed to freeze the Polish side. Uh, Czech Republic went 1-0 up. Absolutely brilliant goal from Juracek. Not, not like a technically fantastic goaler anything but just sheer determination the ball's knocked up to Milan Baros and he's kind of holding it up and sort of dawdling on the ball as he does he's just about to lose it when Jirocek's busted a gut to get up there with him and and kind of makes it there in time to slide the ball safely home but Poland were really really disappointing in they 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 just froze under the spotlight basically they they needed to find something and didn't I, I kind of thought that the Czech Republic needing to go for it and that was what what changed the Czech Republic needed a point needed three points after the Greece goal went in and so I thought that them needing to go for it would sort of leave holes and stuff which maybe the Polish could attack counter-attack and exploit but all that happened is the Czech Republic needed to go for it and so they ended up looking much the better side and, and deserved winners of that group in the end obviously they capitulated against Russia but their performance against Greece and, and Poland meant that they were kind of worthy winners of the group I think
1: yeah and I guess Greece the surprise in the other game not, the, not a surprise in terms of how they played though I think different coach these days and Portuguese coach in charge and did and does that mean they play attacking, exciting Iberian-style football or anything like that? Absolutely not, because they spent the entire first half camped in their own box defending. It's a stunning display, really. And the old cliche of the game two halves really did come into it, because Greece had absolutely no intention of doing any attacking at all in the first 45. They just defended. And, and they got the goal, Karagounis, just for half-time. And they actually opened up a bit in the second half, which was interesting, really. And, and it was almost as if it could have become a cup tie and Russia, uh, with a greater technical ability and and better attacking players, should have taken the game. It was almost as if they just didn't care enough, though. You just kind of felt the impetus had gone out out of the Russian side and they they just didn't seem like they wanted it. Uh, Really, really odd uh, and looked like they were the best side in the group by quite some distance, but they failed to qualify. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how much of it was that
0: 4-1 in the first game making them just feel like, oh, brilliant, we'll coast through the group stages now, save a bit of energy for the latter stages, we'll obviously batter Poland and Greece because they're not very good and we can just you know book our place in the next round without exerting ourselves particularly and they never really seemed to snap
1: out of that no they didn't it really really lackadaisical perfect word for them i thought i mean i imagine advocate will will not be in the job anymore actually i think he might he's
0: not he's got he already yeah that,
1: that's right he was off anyway wasn't he yeah real real shame in a way because they've got a lot of talented players but they just didn't perform and there you go greece go through i can't imagine they're going to go much further having having germany to face next but they're solid and they've got this system that seems to work for them
0: we can't move on from that game without talking about
1: Karagounis'
0: extraordinary response to what was in fairness a very poor refereeing decision
1: yeah a clear trip on him in the box and so an obvious penalty and the referee booked him and he'll miss the quarter final now as a result and he went absolutely batshit I thought he was going to beat the referee up at one stage he, was gone, he went properly mental and I can understand his anger because the referee can't have seen it he didn't it was a it was a clear trip. It didn't even look like a dive. He didn't even make much of it. He didn't throw his arms up and roll around or anything like that. It was just a clear trip. He didn't he didn't make much of that. But he boy did he make a much of his
0: complaints. He looked like a man possessed. He was crossing himself in astronomical speed, looking to the heavens, wide-eyed, looking for a camera to express his sheer existential angst. To a moment that will live long in the memory. Because I, I I was watching the other game, but suddenly on on I had both both games on. Suddenly on the smaller screen appeared the angriest greek man that i've ever seen
1: yeah <laughs> well I, I don't know maybe he's a teacher in the part-time and uh, he'd just been told he got a 60 percent pay cut or something i don't know he was like it was, take to the streets he was he was properly angry and yeah extraordinary stuff i mean it's a terrible referee in performance because the referee just guessed right and and if there's uh, anything worse than making a bad decision it's making the decision you had no basis for making and i i mean i, I kind of hope the ref doesn't get another game but but that's not necessarily the case because UEFA do tend to back the referees. So Group B. I mean, Group B's been oh, completely well. different, hasn't it? And and the Netherlands out deservedly so. No points. Lost all three games. I, extraordinary result, really, when considering they uh, reached the World Cup final two years ago and and uh, won nine out of ten qualification games. The tent being a dead rubber when they'd already qualified. And no surprise that we've heard of uh, ructions in the camp and few arguments going on apparently.
0: Yeah, just uh, they just wanted the cliche Dutch experience, didn't they? Uh, Wesley Schneider said there were a few too many egos in this dressing room. (laughs) Obviously he was including himself in that. It was an extraordinary game, the Portugal-Holland game and and I have to say, talking of momentous egos, Cristiano Ronaldo had a heck of a game and I was reflecting on that today and thinking about, you know, because obviously Ronaldo and Rooney, there's there's a big United connection there and before the England game against Ukraine, you had no sense that Rooney was going to come and make an impact. If anything, I felt like he was going to come and disrupt a team that have been working quite well because that kind of intense personal pressure situation where the hype and focus is all focused on Rooney I don't think it's ever really benefited him in his career I mean I'm sure there have been occasions where he has risen to that kind of thing and obviously he seized big games by the scruff of the neck was excellent when the rest of the team was terrible in the Champions League final against Barcelona for example uh, but Ronaldo under all that massive pressure because he'd had such a poor game against Denmark he, he then had all this pressure heaped on his shoulders and, and put in what might be the individual performance of the tournament so far Portugal looked absolutely devastating on the counter attack Nani and Ronaldo on either flank and they even managed to win in spite of Helder Postiga being there
1: yeah in spite of well he scored a goal that was was offside and it was the biggest contribution he made to the game Ronaldo was excellent the best individual performance of the tournament so far I'd argue and, and about time because he hadn't had a good tournament up to that, I mean at least by his high standards he hadn't had a good tournament up to that point no on the other hand three excellent performances so far I think from him and he's having a really good tournament It's it must be those contract negotiations they're uh, spurring him on at the moment they, they look like they could be dangerous Portugal it's uh, it will be interesting against better sides I mean obviously they, they play the, the checks on Thursday night so we'll know a result for that when we load this podcast up on Friday
0: yeah I mean I, you know predicting it this is pointless because, because everyone will know what the result is but just in case you want to know what I thought ahead of time um, I, I think that it's going to be a bit more difficult for Portugal because you know, to, to quote the the language that's been used to discuss this tournament ad nauseum. Portugal are at their best when they're being reactive um, and they're obviously the favourites in this game and there'll be an impetus on them to be proactive but against Holland the fact that Holland needed to win 2-0 when they went 1-0 up so early they just left loads of gaps and they got kind of taken apart by some really incisive Portuguese play and you say Nani had a, a good tournament so far which he absolutely has I, I think it was probably the, the, the least effective of the three games so far and he did miss one absolute sit good save by the keeper but but Nani should have given him no chance whatsoever but Ronaldo he, he fed he fed a ball through to Ronaldo as well which was, was very impressive and just Ronaldo looked he looked like he was just going to scythe them apart on his own he just was going to get the ball on the halfway line and shoot and the ball would go so hard it would kind of carry all the defenders with it into the goal with the keeper in a big bundle of dutchness
1: I mean he looked on it didn't he it just hadn't happened for him in other games where he'd missed uh, easy chances by his by his standards and interesting after that game that Sandro Rossell the Barcelona president came out and said he's not the second best player in the world he's the 12th best <laughs> obviously intimating <laughs> that he wouldn't get in the Barcelona side which was interesting I mean really kind of classless I think but but look it's Ronaldo's chance to shine and Messi's not taking part in a, a tournament this summer
0: well you've got a harsh Ronaldo's mellow by bringing up Messi <laughs> no, he doesn't you know
1: because could... it's the barometer isn't it you know we, we're talking about one of the best players in the world but he, he you know the, the barometer says that, that Messi is the best. I mean, Ronaldo scored 60 goals this season. Was that enough? No, Messi scored 73. So, And all the, all the Danish fans
0: were obviously chanting Messi, Messi every time Ronaldo messed up, which was very funny. But I mean, I just think, I think that, you know, it does speak well of Cristiano's sporting character, if not necessarily his personal character, that he was able to, raise his game because all the talk about Portugal is that he's he's underperformed because he's felt the weight of expectation too much but the weight of expectation was greater than ever in that Dutch game because he'd had such a shocking tournament so far especially the, the Denmark game but then to to kind of rise to find the absolute best of himself in that game and it was it was one of those games where it's just slightly sad as a United fan to watch Ronaldo but Nanny Nanny was alright too so there's a bit of comfort <laughs> yes
1: and in the other game Germany functional <laughs> functional efficient almost three three wins out of three for the gems i don't think it was the best performance from them i I thought they were all right. They did just about enough to win. And obviously uh, they took the lead and and, uh, and it looked kind of just obvious they were going to cruise to victory. They looked in control of that game and, and Denmark came back into it. So it could have gone all horribly wrong. At one stage, Denmark only needed a score to knock Germany out um, with all the different permutations of the group. But in the end, they made it through. And, and as expected, I guess, I, I think they can play an awful lot better than that. They made a couple of changes. It got the win that they needed. I think they're going to be a real force in this tournament. How how many changes did they make? Who because uh, I didn't see that game. I, I don't. I think I've only seen the goals. Couple of midfield. Not not wholesale changes. The intensity was slightly different, but they were always in control. I felt of that one. Interesting, and and they and in the end they kind of got through the
0: group of death unscathed, three wins from three, and Portugal Portugal joined them, thus murdering Holland and Denmark, who we deserve a word of plucky patronisation from us, I think, don't they? Because they were they were pretty impressive given like, people's expectations of them before the tournament.
1: They were a goal either in either game away from qualifying, basically. So they did they did all right, only all right. Actually, I think one of the disappointments of the tournament, though, is Christian Eriksen, who who really didn't perform at all. In this tournament, I I don't think uh, uh, when you're outperformed by Nicholas Bentner and also Krohn Daly who was excellent, I thought for, uh, in most of the games for Denmark. Um, so you know a kid that's been hyped up quite a lot didn't didn't quite meet those expectations. I mean uh, he's 19 or something, 20. And he's got plenty more tournaments ahead of him, I'm sure.
0: Well, I mean it's not inevitable, is it? Because it's you know Denmark are not guaranteed to qualify for every tournament, but they look like they've got the nucleus of a decent side there. And you know we we made fun of N Bent uh, obviously, but Cannot deny he's had a pretty impressive Euro 2012.
1: He has. He's like Milan Barosh in 2008 or something, you know. I tell you, watching Milan
0: Barosh this this time round, it wasn't 2008, by the way. Baros is a good tournament, was it? Got to be longer back in time than that, wasn't it? 2004. Uh, maybe. Exactly. It, f- it feels like it feels like a long time since that. Yeah, happened. it almost
1: feels like a dream. You
0: know. Yeah, exactly. Milan Barosh, top goal scorer in anything. He was so bad in that game, the Czech Republic. Against. I don't
1: think Milan Barrow should be top goal scorer in his own garden to be honest
0: so Group C comes next and oh Italy and Spain got
1: through I have to say Spain really rode their luck well, I, I've heard I've heard this said, and people were critical and said, "Oh, they they got you know a bit fortunate." I don't know. I thought they were in complete and total and utter control for the entire game.
0: No, I I I just, I just want to put a caveat. I think they were in complete, total, and utter control, except for a period between 70 and 80 minutes, where Croatia spent the last of their energy, and there was a, there there was a little 10 minute period there where Spain hadn't managed to get a goal, and I think Croatia had them slightly on the rocks. Admittedly, 10 out of 90, but still.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I think on. The rocks might be a, a bit excessive about that one. That the one chance Croatia and that that could have really upset things, couldn't it? I mean, and again, Spain could have gone out there. I mean, imagine Croatia had scored and Spain had lost the game; they might well have been out on some weird goal difference coefficient toss of the coin type thing. You know? <laughs> I think they would have had less points than everyone else.
0: Yeah, I think that's what they, that's why they're well, except, out, except
1: for Ireland. Ireland was so bad; they've got minus. The thing is, Spain were in total control. They had three times as many shots as as. Croatia. They had 60 uh, odd percent of the possession. Uh, they um, had nine shots on target, which is a lot for an international game. So, you know, the Croatia keep had a, a great game. This being Petkovic, the keeper who I said was the worst keeper in the tournament. Uh, clearly not, by the way. The Ukrainian keeper, t- what's it called? Titan, is the worst keeper in the tournament. So, and I mean, I do Given's given him a run for a Yeah, true Shea's well. in there, yeah. So, I mean, uh, I don't think at any stage Spain truthfully looked like they could have lost except for that one chance you know but no well there were two there were two chances in that period and the,
0: as you say Spain completely dominated the game they had all the possession all the chances until a period of about 70 minutes where Croatia looked extremely dangerous and they they put absolutely everything into that 10 minute period they, they, they didn't have one chance they had two extremely good chances one which was uh, at the header and one which was a volley and at, in the end the finishes were slightly disappointing and Casillas had fairly easy saves to make Um, and so so they weren't able to put that kind of backs against the wall and then break out to to effect but i I, I do think Spain rode their luck because the, because of not having been able to unlock the door in that first 70 minutes they did put themselves in a slightly precarious position however after that 10 minute period Croatia looked absolutely exhausted it really did look like having run around for the previous 70 minutes without the ball it just took it completely out of them and and they were they were you know they looked punch drunk by the end by the time Spain got their winner
1: yeah well and there was no time for them to come back either of course Spain won the game with no strikers on the pitch surprise surprise they went back to having a striker for the game against Ireland and uh, that obviously worked for them and then they tried for an hour or so against Croatia decided that didn't work for them and uh, went back to having a bunch of three foot tall midfielders running around in forward positions so uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the knockout stages actually because I don't think it's obvious that Torres will get a game here and there's definitely two distinct camps in the the tactical thinking from Del Bosque and he, he might not do it. I mean I think against France
0: playing the false nine makes complete sense anyway doesn't it um, because because to, to kind of just dominate possession and decimate their energy levels and all that kind of things is, is probably going to be the, the route to victory and and actually I was, I was thinking about our debate we, we, we listeners will be glad to hear we continued the debate uh, on Saturday morning we both sat in front of our computers with heat maps open arguing about the relative merits of the false nine and, and clearly in that last ten minutes against Croatia they were able to to use that to full advantage to take advantage of how exhausted Croatia were
1: we were like two boar architects discussing the merits of a line <laughs> yeah
0: absolutely it's like pointing at the corner of the box saying look that's a clearly a darker red than the equivalent on the Spanish side it, it, it worked very nicely in that last 10 minutes for Spain that, that no strikers and and the four-five-one 5 one as I'm going to call it from now on <laughs> right okay you're copywriting that one aren't you? yeah absolutely Italy qualified for that group in second place. I I didn't see the game but I understand the Mario Balotelli goal was a particular highlight.
1: Yeah, uh, on the volley, falling over. Of course, that was almost the highlight. The actual highlight was Mario Balotelli's celebration. who looked like a man demented who wanted to go up to the coach and probably lay a couple of haymakers on the coach's chin. He got grabbed by one of his teammates. Who, and no idea why he was shouting as well, because the teammate put his hand over his mouth as well. So and This is Balotelli being a child, obviously, wanting to have a strop because he'd been dropped and came off the bench to score that goal. But a fine goal, yeah. No, sort of flying volley. Not as good as Ibrahimovic his goal in the other group
0: could not believe my luck Zlatan Ibrahimovic has scored a better goal than his 2004 goal the man is in a one-man war against Marco van Basten to claim the throne of best ever Euros goal yeah
1: well he's not gonna do that but a solid win for Italy I thought I mean they they were never in any danger of of not winning that game
0: oh word for Ireland and the King stuff we didn't talk about that did we
1: well, Roy Keane, yeah, um, we talked about his scowl a little bit last week, and uh, it's just been getting more and more intense. I mean, you almost feel that like Keane's become a parody of himself, of course, and, and everyone's expecting him to launch into the tirade against Ireland, and for the most part, he's pretty calm about it, and he, he's not Mr. Angry about this. He's just utterly dismissive of, of Ireland's uh, approach to it, and he's dismissive of any kind of patronising notion of, of, you know, aren't they great fans? I mean, they were great fans, you know, s- singing and being really that interesting story that uh, German TV apparently turned off the commentary so the viewers could just listen to the singing you wish uh, that ITV would do that too. You at some certainly point. do and the BBC in fact. Well the, B- the BBC you can use the red button to turn off the commentary but you can't see the HD pictures then which is rather a yeah, shame Yeah that's, that's
0: not worth it. The Irish fans all singing F you Roy Keane we'll sing what we like in the last game which I thought was quite amusing really.
1: There, there is a split camp here I mean I know. The yeah I, of course. Yeah some people think Keane's right there that the mentality of we're going to be lucky losers and just going, go for the crack and the beer uh, isn't good enough and, and this is the argument Keane's been having with the FIAI for over a decade right? And since he stormed out in Saipan in the 2002 World Cup. He's been saying the same thing. It's what he said then. It's exactly what he's been saying ever since.
0: Yeah and, and there was a split camp then and there's a split camp now. I mean I don't know what you want from your fans if your team is technically way
1: behind the teams they're playing against and you you can't oh sorry i'm interrupting but the thing is he's not actually having a go at the fans what he's saying is don't patronize ireland by saying they're great fans we don't want great fans we want a great team you know yeah and i don't think he's actually having a go at the fans there he's having a go at the team and the management
0: i don't think he's having a go at the fans either but i just think it's a bit harsh i I think yeah so ireland are are technically a long way behind they're they're a small country football's not the number one sport in the country as uh, my understanding of it certainly a against a lot stiffer competition than it is elsewhere in Europe. I mean, a lot of comparisons were made when they played Croatia because they're countries of similar sizes, but it's a totally different footballing heritage, you know. So that's that's why I think it's a, a little harsh of Roy Keane. But the thing is, asking Roy Keane not to expect perfection of others is is just
1: asking the impossible because the man is hardwired to victory. Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's very frustrating for him, I'm sure, that there's basically a whole bunch of mediocre players in the island side. And, and he feels that they're not taking it seriously. Seriously enough as a result and it must be very hard for him it's probably why it's very hard for him being a manager uh, at all
0: yeah I mean I I wonder how much of it is uh, his frustration at the generation that came after him being overrated and and, uh, kind of overrating themselves not just in I don't just mean in Ireland but you know he says he says that thing of we're always being told that these players are excellent players well they don't seem to be showing that they're excellent players you know
1: yeah he's got a point
0: yeah absolutely talking of got a point England got three points twice
1: since we, we last talked yeah. oh
0: yeah right oh okay brilliant that means we get to talk about an actually good England game that Sweden game was a cracker and Danny Welbeck I I, I wish I, having said I was so glad that Zlatan did score that goal I kind of wish he hadn't so that Welbeck would have been in with a shout for goal of the tournament because
1: what a finish that was from Danny fantastic finish I can't believe that Mark Pugac was still going on about it two days later the radio. 5 correspondent still saying it was lucky. I, I just, I just, it's just bitter, isn't it? I mean, it yeah, really is just bitter, but fantastic finish from Welbeck. Great bit of impro- improvisation. Really good that all his teammates came out and said he does that all the time in training anyway. And a great game, great piece of entertainment, I thought. I mean, the amount of chances. I mean, if you're a coach, you probably wouldn't be very happy because the technical quality was really low and the defending was horrendous on both sides, just really, really poor. The amount of mistakes that led to chances and goals, but a great really good entertaining game I thought and not Necessarily, because England are the most fluid side in the tournament. In fact, you had two very unfluid sides, and they're both uh, guilty of hitting the ball forward way too early and losing possession as a result. Um, but but really entertaining, and it has obviously brought a load of confidence to the England squad. I, I think it was Barney Roney, the Guardian's Barney Roney, who tweeted: "It's a really good league, the Championship, isn't it?" <laughs> so yeah, it's sarcasm, but it's not that far off. I've got to say, it was it wasn't a good quality game at all. I mean, it was lower lower Premier League standard in terms of the type of football that was played. I think.
0: Yeah, they're, they're just the thing that made it stand out was there was a few incredibly technically gifted players on the park that they wouldn't have been in, in that level because, I mean, Zlatan had a pretty good game unable to influence the result in the end but, like, Danny's Danny's talent shone through at the last minute and I have to say, I was imp- I know you didn't like it when I said I was impressed with England the week before I was impressed with England again in that game that was I felt like that was a win they wouldn't have got under other circumstances uh, That there, there are managers that have... I'm not sure Sven's England or Capello's England would have won that game I'm pretty sure McLaren's England wouldn't have been eligible to compete in it
1: well yeah this is true I mean look they, they came back from 2-1 down and had, certainly at 2-1 when Sweden scored they didn't look like there was any way back into the game for, for England given they were making so many defensive mistakes and and that was a real problem right I mean the, the back four was all over the place we've talked a lot about England's two banks of four but they're not quite functioning in the same way I think the midfield bank of four in terms of, this is defensive tactics I'm talking about not attacking tactics because none of that's working very well apart from the crossing but defensively the midfield bank of four is working well but the defensive bank of four was all over the shop against Sweden and it was a massive problem and they tightened up against Ukraine they kind of had to because they didn't have the ball at all um, so that was I guess that was a concern coming out of the Sweden game Terry was all over the place and so was Johnson he was out of position consistently Sweden were hitting the di- diagonal balls which cost you know, England's tactic as well and, and it was causing England all sorts of problems in defence and, and, and from that point of view bit lucky that they managed to turn it around I mean obviously Walcott made a big difference you know this kind of willingness to run at people interesting he only touched the ball three times Walcott did in six minutes he scored one goal uh, then it took a large deflection and, and then he made another a big impact in such a short space of time
0: well I think I think if you're as a United fan saying that they can't go on about Welbeck's goal being half an accident uh, you're not allowed to say that it took a large deflection because I think it, it took a very slight deflection if you look at the thing wrong footed the keeper it, it did wrong foot the keeper but I wonder how much the curl on the ball would have wrong footed the keeper anyway but Walcott's face after the goal said it's Suggested that perhaps he didn't mean that quite the extent that Welbeck meant his. I just think that if you're not English and you're listening to this, you might not realise quite how little English managers have made substitutions which have changed games in the last, I don't know, two decades, something like that. There has been a startling lack of appropriate and impressive use of substitutions. Actually, Roy Hodgson's substitutions have been by and large excellent in this tournament, and he, he did change that game when England were down by two goals to one. He, he made a difference. And, and it's kind of heartening to see that and another thing that's very heartening to see is Gary Neville looking all happy on the subs bench for every, every shot of John Terry celebrating the one of Gary Neville sort of slightly erases that and makes
1: it, makes it all alright again. He finds it hard to control his emotions I mean he's, he's a guy who wears his heart on his sleeve when it comes to footballers, as we know. I don't know what he said to Oxlade Chamberlain in, in the crane game but he said something to him that made uh, Oxlade Chamberlain uh, giggle. I wonder what he was saying go, go give me a scorgasm Ox. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff from Neville. It was interesting I thought the, the strike partnership we we talked about back he wasn't threatening as such when he, when he had the ball I mean he played a lot of that game with his back to goal linking up playing and came deep quite often you look at his stats this is off the top of my head but I think I'm right in saying he touched the ball 25 times and on 24 occasions he managed to lay it off or pass or do something correct with it, so it was very impressive leading of the line and linking between midfield and and attack. Andy Carroll, on the other hand, not that's kind of what you get with Carroll, isn't it? There's nothing neat and tidy about it at all. You just you just have to hit his head at some point.
0: I mean, it's an absolutely phenomenal header, oh, phenomenal. Andy Carroll goal. That's it's is one of the better headers you're likely to see. Really, it was almost Ronaldo-esque. Those enormous neck muscles straining. He did make an overall positive contribution to that game. The problem is, English and give the ball away so much when he's playing and when he came on against the ukraine it was an absolute parody of what you'd expect for andy carroll coming on to a bunch of exhausted england players because they just just kept launching its head from as far away as they could Yeah. Um, and as a result he couldn't do anything with it but I thought actually, I mean I I think there's been a lot of comparison and Welbeck had the the better game against Sweden but I don't think Carroll had a bad game, I I think his overall contribution to like, in terms of creating space made a bit of a difference.
1: I don't know, I mean you could have picked out almost anything to say then other than creating space, he doesn't move so I'm not quite sure he creates space. Great with a goal I mean that ball has travelled 50 yards the deepest of deep cross And he didn't move at all, he's just stood there So I think the problem with Andy Carroll is is that he causes all sorts of problems for the England side tactically. I mean, they just can't help themselves but launch it at him. And and then he's not really a proper number nine. It doesn't stick. Uh, I mean, he gave the ball away more than half the time. And I I just think that's a real problem. They're too tempted to hit it early and long. And he can't play that either. So for all his physicality, he he actually needs something different. He needs crosses going in, which has actually been England's most successful tactic. I think four of the five goals England have scored have come from crosses in one shape or another. Yeah,
0: Steven Gerrard is having a very, very impressive tour. Tournament, I think I, I think he's exceeding expectations in terms of his tactical discipline in that bank of four when England are defending. Although obviously he made mistakes in that first game, but his delivery from set pieces has been really extraordinary, actually, really extraordinary, just incredibly consistent in a way that I didn't realise was part of his game. Because I I'm not being funny. I really don't watch Liverpool very often. I watch them when they play us, and that's about it. And it, he's certainly never really been like that for England as, as as I can remember. But like every time he gets a set piece, England look. Down
1: Dangerous. yeah he's put some really good balls in I mean he's got three assists now hasn't he uh, you know, set pieces and, and crosses from the right wing he has been more disciplined He was I didn't think he was that good in the Sweden game actually I think he got out of position quite a lot he's supposed to be protecting the back four and he didn't do it uh, in the Ukraine game he did a much better job of that and he was much neater with the ball I mean the stats show that I just thought you know observing it he was much neater with the ball the problem is when he drifts out of that defensive role and drifts wide there's a left to right ball that is causing england massive amounts of problems at the moment it goes from the left back to the left wing and goes diagonally to england's left side of the defense and and that's where ukraine scored the ghost goal from as well and and it's causing a lot of problems and i, I, I can't believe that uh, hodgson is allowing that to happen but it has done repeatedly and so if i was the italians i'd be thinking about how we can switch the balls from one side of the field to another if if gerard goes off on a wander and, and his ego gets the better of him because it's going to cause england a lot of problems and anyway i mean the ghost the ghost goal came from that position Gerard had run out of position left back one long ball through the middle piece of horrible defending by John Terry piece of terrible goalkeeping by Joe Hart and then a heroic didn't quite get there in time piece of defending by Terry to finish it off and, and, and there you go anyway I mean I agree Gerard's had an excellent tournament I, I just think he's he's a player playing out of position so he's been excellent but there have been some errors as well
0: I think this is probably it for England I don't I don't see him getting past Italy I don't think it's impossible but I don't actually think that's what's going to happen you have to say that winning the group is massively above par for england getting beat by italy in the quarterfinals, having won the group is is an above par result for roy Hodgson.
1: england have probably exceeded expectations i think that the expectations have been exceeded i mean yes in terms of the results although uh, i think england have ridden their luck a little bit with those results uh, and but probably more in terms of the there seems to be some kind of unity within the squad which ha- hasn't happened at many tournaments and I don't know what Hodgson's done, but it feels like there's immunity. No one's tried to take over the team, you know. John Terry's been in his box, and there's all the right noises coming out of the camp. And, and so that's that's an impressive thing, and, and there's a lot of credit has to go to Hodgson for that. I think it could have gone much worse. I mean, Ukraine had 60% of the ball, had loads more chances, and, and for a team that's ranked in the 50s in the FIFA rankings, you know, England did an awful lot to make them look good. Oh, uh, yeah, but then, you know, uh, the, the FIFA rankings are ridiculous they're ranked really low on other rankings which have you know a, a better statistical basis you know they, they, it's a terrible team I mean they're playing at home but it's they're a terrible they're playing team. at home and they
0: need to win for their future in the tournament and the tournament they're hosting I think I think you know you would expect them to play above themselves and England contained them to a lot of long shots and Joe Hart didn't exactly have a, a torrid time in goal did he
1: they had a lot of chances I don't particularly mean to go against the grain of popular opinion here which is you know England played I don't, well I don't,
0: but... I don't think they played amazingly I think they played better than I thought they were going to and they definitely played better than they've played at a tournament since but their three games in in this period of time have easily been the best performances they have put in in a tournament since 2002
1: the thing is I think some of those uh, teams in other tournaments have played better you know they've been more talented teams and they've played better and and England have got the results here and and that in the end that's all that counts right you know more goals in your column than goals in the opposition's column and that's all that counts
0: unless the Czech Republic. It
1: could have gone a lot different. It, could, it really could have gone a lot different, and it's just it, you know details have gone with England in the Ukrainian game. They had so much of the ball, the Ukrainians, and and created a lot of chances. And it could have gone very different if if they'd scored the goals. They didn't, and ditto in the France game. And with Sweden, you know, like one goal here or there would have changed the nature of that game. And as I said on said on Twitter, if you can't be a great coach at least you can be a lucky coach you know know, to bastardize the the old napoleon phrase he's getting the fortune as well as getting the tactics right for what england is as a squad and as a team which is limited you know so and which is great if you can be lucky i want i logically it's going to run out against italy because england are only going to have 30 35 percent of the ball
0: yeah maybe they, they could also raise their game and it, it's, it's going to be fascinating that game
1: I guess we'll do a bit of a preview of the
0: quarterfinals shortly a, a word on Rooney because that's, that's the thing that could make a difference in terms of the level of performance because he, he had a classic 2011-12 Rooney game terrible all game gets the vital goal that's basically what he did for us all season isn't it
1: he didn't have a good game I mean how can you expect it I mean I know all the, the hype was built up and then Hodgson talking comparing him with Pele didn't exactly help with that hype did it to keep it in check hey, we do that every week <laughs> yeah well i mean it's 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 all right for really when he's playing at united and he's you know he's playing every week and all that uh, but he would had five weeks off it's hard to expect anything from him I and mean, he didn't really have a good game I mean, he missed a really good chance from ashley young's crossed in the in the first half and just about managed to get it i mean you could hardly miss uh, frankie boyle said today that I mean, he scored a goal that stephen hawking would have scored with a power surge which was rather cruel i thought but i, I mean he could have missed it it would have been hard to have missed it the most deflected cross in the history of crosses I think there were three deflections on that cross before it found Rooney's head yeah absolutely uh or, or his new hair which he was at pains to point out was involved in the goal not not a hair weave I don't know why people keep calling it hair weave it's not he's had plugs in you know it's uh...
0: people call it a hair weave so they can say hair weave go yeah and that's that's the extent of that it's very it's very unfortunate I, I I think the rank cast should have a blanket no quoting Frankie Boyle policy myself but you know fine if you want to break that the man's
1: a disgrace or, or quite funny depending on your opinion uh, yeah absolutely we shouldn't leave this group without talking about france who completely dominated ukraine i mean they really walked all over them and then capitulated against sweden it was a really weird game that one i was kind of watching it at the same time as the england game and and they had all of the ball they were creating all the chances it couldn't score and then there was just a wonder goal from zlatan i mean you just what can you say
0: about that goal negrete esque absolutely Absolutely beautiful, beautiful goal—a kung fu goal, a ninja goal, just a Zlatan goal. The, the man, the myth, the legend. I mean, before the game, they asked him, "Who do you want to win the tournament?" And as has been much reported, he said, "I couldn't give an S. I'm going on
1: holiday. <laughs> but before we, before I go on holiday, I'm going to score the insurmountable goal of the tournament. Yeah, a fantastic goal. And I'd be worried if I was France, I mean, Not not solely because they are playing Spain next, and this could be a real problem for them but but for all the pretty football and all the movement and uh, you know it looks it looks pretty sexy up to about 20 yards from goal and then then they seem to have lost the tooth I mean, I think everyone was saying before the tournament that Benzema could have a really big tournament he obviously had a fine season with Real Madrid scored a lot of goals and I think everyone expected him to to do well here he's had more shots than any other player in the tournament and a lot of them on target as well it's not they've not been flying everywhere he just hasn't been hit in the back of the net it, it is front his problem at the moment
0: yeah I mean Benzema seems isolated a lot of the time that I've seen him I didn't see that game but but in the first two games both of them Benzema just seems like he's on his own up there a lot of the time
1: they I mean it looked really good right on paper they, they played Nazarene just behind him in the hole and then they played Ribery and Ben Arthur, sort of in the slightly wider positions and there was a lot of movement but yeah for whatever reason it's just not kind of clicking up front they're creating chances and not scoring them and it's uh, it probably do for them in the next game because they're not going to get the ball very much, they probably won't create as many chances as they have done in previous games when they've had the ball, and so they're going to take, have to take, you know, the small number of chances they do get against Spain in order to to get anything out of that game.
0: Yeah, I mean, their game against Ukraine was not particularly impressive. There was that huge rain delay. It was a very surreal atmosphere, and and it was a very sort of odd, paceless game in a way. And then they managed to smash a two goal win. But yeah, they they real scraped through, didn't they? And and to lose two nil to that Sweden side, which is functional at best. Well, no, it's Zlatan at best, and then the rest of them are functional you know it's, it's extremely unimpressive way to lead into the Spain game all sorts of talk about ruction in the camp again and that's that's the worst thing that could happen to the front French national team after the debacle of uh, 2010 so let's come on to the quarterfinals then shall we Ed the first one obviously it's redundant for us to predict but but quick prediction from me I you. think
1: Portugal win. yeah uh, they, they seem to have the momentum so yeah I'm going to predict a Portuguese win all right Portugal 2
0: Czech Republic 1 that's my prediction and the second quarterfinal Germany versus Greece it's the battle
1: of the debtors versus the creditors it's, a lot um, of me lots me made of this hasn't it I mean it, it's it's pretty harsh God it's it's football not international finance and, and uh, I, I mean it's hard to see past Germany because they look like they have a lot to come so they they were you know okay against Denmark I think they can play a lot better and I, I suspect they'll put it all together uh, but Greece very determined uh, they, they have a good system that works for them they're, they're going to chuck every man behind the ball and hope they get something out of you know one chance or one set piece or something like that i can't see past a comfortable germany win but but it could go horribly pear-shaped for them
0: yeah i mean i couldn't see past a comfortable every team other than greece win all the way through uh, greece's run to the tournament which does it's just in the back of your mind isn't it when when you talk about this because i just want to boldly proclaim yeah, obviously germany are going to win 4-0 but it's just not the case is it because because there is so much that could happen and and as you say Germany look like they've got it all to come it hasn't exactly quite clicked into Top Gear yet and what if it doesn't I mean listen listen I really don't want to indulge in football cliche but it's Germany and if ever there's a team who you think are not going to stuff things up it's them but then if ever there's a team that you think isn't going to stuff up an 8 point lead with 5 games to go in the Premier League it's us
1: Stranger things could happen I suppose uh, they've got so many advantages though Germany I mean they're, they are you know as we talked about last week an offensive side in that they throw loads and loads of players forward they, they've got loads of options they've got depth of quality in the squad they've got players that are playing really well at the moment Gomez is scoring goals uh, you know even if not sure he's been outstanding yet they've got lots of options in terms of how they play so they can play it uh, they can play on the break incredibly quickly they can control possession if they want to they can be a bit more direct if they want because they've got loads of pace in wide areas and and a guy who's great in the air as well so I think they've got enough different components to their game that they can mix it up if they need to if Greece just sit back I mean the the thing for Germany is and it's obvious of course is just score the early goal if they can because that will change the complexion of the game Completely, and and but if it if it goes past half time, it's still nil nil, or or God forbid for the Germans, Greece have nicked one off a corner or something. Then then we could have a shock on our hands. You never know.
0: Yeah, it's not impossible. I guess if France beat Spain, you'd have to consider that a pretty, pretty significant shock. Spain have not been at their imperious best in this tournament, but then they've never really looked in jeopardy except for ten minutes against Croatia, as I said. You wonder if they're almost going to be more. I, don't, I hate to be all little Englander about this, but are they almost going to be more pleased? To- to be facing France than facing England because France are not going to Sit back and just soak up. France will leave more gaps than England would, even though they're they're also obviously more of a threat going forward. Or you'd imagine on paper they're more of a threat going forward. Although I guess they've scored less goals than England so far in this tournament. I mean,
1: I suppose the one thing is Spain would be confident of having like seventy odd percent of possession against England. Of course they would. I mean, it's uh, it's just natural. And I think a couple of Spanish players said they'd rather play England. So it'll be a different style of game, clearly, because France don't play a, a style of football that's that far different from Spain, whereas England do. Uh, So, I mean, I I think we'd be looking at two teams that are not completely different and just one of them superior. The thing with Spain is they've just got to score goals, though, right? So, I mean, they struggled to score against Italy with all that possession. They struggled to score against Croatia with even more possession. Yes, they scored against Ireland, but Ireland were just terrible and let them score in three minutes. So, uh, which Spain's going to turn up? I I thought parts of the game against Croatia almost looked like they just thought it was inevitable they would get it at some point. There was no desperation at any point. The, The style of play didn't change from minute zero to minute 90. And, and it won't against France either so which Spain will turn up there not sure I, I really can't see past the Spanish win but but you never know there's definitely firepower in that French team if it goes off the Spanish team the Spanish game against Grosje
0: they did eventually quite literally walk the ball into the net and not you know again I hate being reductive about this but they really did look like they were just trying to walk the ball in the net they did look like come on lads just whack it can you not knock it you know you've got the ball around the 18 yard line sometimes if you shoot the round thing at the big square thing in front of you. It goes... Passed the standy bloke into the back and that's good well you know? I,
1: I thought when Navas had scored from one yard out I, I thought it was disgraceful he didn't get down on his knees and head it in I mean clearly that clearly had to do that that's the one opportunity he would have got to do it yeah it was, it was
0: poor decision making from the lad
1: of, of course he could have made another pass at that point the ball's on the line he could have passed it again
0: I, I I suspect that Spain will win that game I'm definitely not banking on France to win and, and France have been my sort of biggest disappointment of the tournament so far really they've not exploded at all and and you know if all the pieces fall into place they can make a very uncomfortable night for Spain in, in theory yes definitely possible Spain who've not had an uncomfortable night for quite some time Uh, and then talking of uncomfortable nights I I think this is it for Hodgson's brave lions I think the Italians have just got there's too much now there's too much ball control there's too much passing ability there's too much firepower in that Italian side the only thing is they might stuff up a load of chances and then England nick one on the break or England might raise their game and actually be able to keep the ball I'm fascinated to see the tactical battle in this game obviously England will play a 4-4-2 but what kind of 4-4-2 will it be a Wal- Walcott, Oxlade-Chamberlain style and actually that might be quite good especially if Italian, the Italians play 3-5-2 because then you ping the wing bats back because they've actually got something to think about if you got Young on one flank Walcott on the other that could work in England's favour tactically but then are England just going to be hope, hopelessly outgunned in the midfield well
1: I mean he's not going to play Walcott and Oxlade-Chamberlain he'll play Milner for sure his first name on the t- team sheet he likes his he likes his offensive responsibilities I mean I mean he, he works very hard he, he uh he racks up the most yardage of any England player game after game he didn't actually make any blocks or tackles but in terms of the shape and position that's he does the right thing there he doesn't offer anything offensively does he Milner it, it really is like playing a very slow central midfielder out on the wing but Hodgson likes him so it's not going to be that exciting dynamic thing uh, England are going to set up to uh, keep it tight and not concede goals and see what happens the thing is and I think this is going to be a problem for England there's no pace on the break and when we talk about England playing on the break they don't play on the break though they they just really don't I mean there's no pace through the centre and midfield it doesn't move quickly and the only time England move the ball quickly is when they launch it long and most of the time they lose it so it could be a problem there it's not so much can England keep possession of the ball because I, I don't think they're going to have very much but are they able to construct an attack from the back to front and and that's a real issue I think trying to get work it through midfield into attacking areas
0: once it gets past the midfield there's a lot of pace because you've got uh, potentially a front three in a, in a counter-attack of young Rooney and Welbeck yeah. and we've all seen time and time again what, what that, that's a phenomenal three to they, have in a counter-attack they're going to be
1: detached that's the problem so. yeah absolutely
0: so- it's getting the ball to them with any it's not. It's getting them to, the ball to them in a position where they can use it rather than launched over the top of Gerrard and Parker right. but you know I, I, I think it would be really foolish to say there's no way England can beat this Italy this England side can beat this Italy side I think they're obviously second favourites but I don't think it's absolutely the enormous second favourites because they, they there is the capacity to stifle Italy and there is the capacity to do some damage with the ball I mean because uh, the way England counter attack is they basically get the ball up there and try and get a set piece and they they have proved effective from those set pieces and,
1: and Italy give away more free kicks than any other team in the tournament nice stat bomb no it's true there, there's a propensity to foul there and that could be England's uh, core thing from free kicks there and look and if that's tactics absolutely fair enough it's, it's how Greece won Euro 2004 right and I think you're right Uh, uh, there's you can't write England out of this one at all logically Italy are the better side and they've got the better players and they're going to keep the ball and it's going to be very difficult for England to score as a result but England can certainly keep this tight. Uh, they they're all about shape at the moment. They've they've sacrificed possession for that shape. Can they get it enough in attacking areas in the final third to get those free kicks and corners and score off a off a set piece? And I, that's I honestly think that's the only way England will win. You know, a, a very tight game where, where England score off a set piece or you know one break somewhere uh, it could happen. You never know.
0: Um, I'm right in thinking that the winners of that game play the Germany Greece, and the winners of Spain France play Czech Republic.
1: Portugal, yeah, yeah, yeah. Quarterfinal one versus three and two versus four. Yeah. Next week's show
0: is going to be out on Saturday, but we don't know who's going to be in it now. But who do you think are the two teams that we're going to be discussing? Do you think it's going to be Germany, Spain, or is there an alternative?
1: Well, of course, there's alternatives. No, I think it, it's going to be Germany, Spain. Uh, I think that Germany, Italy semi-final. Uh, if, if it works out like that, will be a cracking game. By the way, I think you know some real uh, distinct tactical differences there. And Spain, Portugal as a semi-final. That that could be fantastic as well. I mean, you know, no love lost there, is there? But look, the logical choice is Germany play Spain in the final. It'll be, be a great final. I don't think anyone would be sad with that final as a spectacle, would they? There's always a surprise, though, in, in here somewhere. You know, where's the surprise going to be? I, I wonder I wonder whether we'll get more of a surprise in the quarters. Yeah, that's my prediction, Spain-Germany.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, that's the logical prediction. That's the prediction makes sense. That But last week I said that I have a weird... Sneaky feeling about Italy winning this tournament, so I, I'm going to predict an Italy-Spain final. So it's not a prediction that my head is involved in in, in too much of, of a strong way because I have I do think Germany, in some ways, are the class of the field. They're certainly they're certainly my favourite team in this tournament. Not necessarily the like the team I most want to win, but the team I most enjoy watching. I think probably Germany because I yeah, yeah. I I have got that slight sense of ennui watching Spain. You know that everyone's talking about. There is there is something fundamental disheartening... ...about the beauty they represent... ...I'm trying to draw an aesthetic comparison... ...with a, like a, a perfect work of art... ...that somehow lacks the spark of soul... ...that it needs you know... ...there's there's no punk rock... ...mixed in with the classical orchestra... ...there's no, there's, there's no dab of a harsh diagonal... ...expressionist line... ...mixed in with the beautiful... ...you know renaissance art...
1: ...I think the, the thing that's missing... ...so often from those Spain games... ...is the contest right... ...and that's, that's what football's about... When, when one team has the ball for 70% of the time and it's this kind of metronomic back and forth there's there's no contest there right I mean there might be a contest for the result but there's no contest in terms of the pattern of play and I don't think they're boring as a result but I think it doesn't make their games as exciting as some others and I, I agree with you I think Germany are the best side to watch from that point of view I think there's there's more excitement they they have as I said different patterns of play and they do mix it up and, and that makes them very good to watch uh, yeah absolutely and uh, there's been a lot of teams that are good to watch in this tournament and the t- tournament's
0: been magnificent. I mean, I've really been enjoying it. And I found myself wanting England to win when, when they've been playing, which I, I wasn't necessarily expecting before the tournament. I, I've been thinking a lot about why that is. And I, I think basically it comes down to when I was little, I used to want England to win. But I think that's not quick to leave you. I, I, I'm not a patriot. I, I don't think that the arbitrary boundary of geography that's led to the lines being drawn where they are. I don't think it's there's any necessity that that then forms a, a central part of your intellectual identity. I, I don't don't think there's any reason that it's important or valuable to attach potency to that all this by way of saying i would quite like it if england won please don't judge me harshly
1: for that yeah at heart though paul you just love to get it up johnny foreigner don't you exactly i have to say my my essential problem with england these days is one of ambivalence i find it hard to get excited about it in on several levels i I find it hard to get excited about the team uh, because they don't play very good football i find it hard to get excited about the people in the team because a lot of them i don't like very much as personalities i can't identify with england fans Uh, I don't like the songs that they sing. I don't like the fact that loads of them turn up dressed up as crusaders, people who went off hundreds of miles away, invaded foreign lands and slaughtered everybody. I'm not quite sure what that's got to do with being English. I suspect they're very ignorant. I, I don't like the inherent racism in that community of people. I've been to several England games. I didn't like any of it, uh, you know, so it's, that's based on just being there. Didn't like it. Even even down to the, the national anthem, which is just pompous.
0: I, I do not disagree one iota with any of that that the football ramble talking about going to a game in kiev and seeing people with falklands 82 on the back of their england shirts and you think what is that embodying to you and and that, that, that england fan community i i've never been to an england game and never would go to an england game because i find the kind of hardcore of england england fans really obnoxious and objectionable but that doesn't represent the country it doesn't represent it doesn't represent what the football team represents or means to people because there's a much broader much Much more innocent England fandom that kind of would never think to sing no surrender to the IRA or the objectionable racist and offensive songs that the England fans sing.
1: Uh, After all that, England go out on Sunday evening, (laughs) unquestionably. Before that, we've we've got Germany Greece on Friday. Exciting! Looking forward to it. Spain and France on Saturday evening at prime time. That's the pick of the round, isn't it? It's it's the pick of the round. We'll be back for a Euro preview Saturday next week, a day later than normal, just so we can fit in the. Preview.
0: And we look forward to talking at you then. Thanks very much for being with us on this Euro journey so far. We hope you're enjoying it. Any feedback at utd rantcast on Twitter for me at United Rant for Ed. You can always leave us a review on iTunes if you're inclined to listen to this sort of thing, and you think other people should be so inclined. Uh, and if you're feeling particularly emboldened, or you win a massive amount of money on an outrageous bet like England winning, and want to ship some money our way for production costs, uh, feel free to do so at unitedrant.co.uk/donate.
1: Man, we- We'll see you next week. Start wearing purple, wearing purple. Start wearing purple
0: for me now. All your sanity and wits, they will all vanish. I promise. It's just a matter
1: of time. So, yeah. Start
0: wearing purple, wearing
1: Start with purple for me now All your sanity and wits they will all vanish I promise, is it just a matter of
0: time? I know you since you were a twenty I was twenty and thought that some years from now
1: A purple I'm dyed to the floor. From a spoon to passport, hey, клянусь, пальца, ты, Start